Bibi Fahodier, welcome to the African Liberation Media Podcast. Media solely focused on the liberation and empowerment of African people. I'm your host, Gullah Jack, aka Russell Swilly. Let's get to it. Bibi Fahodier, this is Gullah Jack, aka Russell A. Swilly. From somewhere into the Gulf of Guinea, I can easily, more easily identify with Bay Harbor, Florida. I've been told by the sisters and brothers from that area that I am undoubtedly Igbo. I don't know for sure. I'm here with Brother Amos, Sister Ebony, and Professor Makaru. It's always a pleasure to listen to these brothers pontificate. Sister Ebony will illuminate her vision as it relates to education. There have been several definitions given to the role of an educator. One is to alleviate the suffering of the masses of African people. That comes to us by way of Dr. Kwame Ture. John Henry Clark told us many years ago the purpose of education was to cultivate in those individuals a mindset, a spirit where they could, uh, would be able to handle power uh, properly. And of course, the esteemed ancestor, my psycho-spiritual uncle, Amos Wilson, said the role of education is to empower people. If education is not geared toward the empowerment of African people, well, then you're being miseducated. You know, secondly, he goes on to um, articulate another critical role that is to maintain, facilitate, perpetuate the biological survival of African people to advance its particular interest. We have fallen short in this respect. Your white supremacy wages war on all fronts we are unable to effectively offer countervailing measures in dealing with this monstrosity. We're basically relegated to attempting to affect our plight binding predicament through the political electoral process or through moral suasion. Suffice it to say, we have come up short. Yeah. An example of this is what I was hearing yesterday. A gentleman by the name of Joe Biden is being um, esteemed, spoken of in reverential tones by African people. This is a man who, back in the 70s, mild the rhetoric that was akin to the segregationist who articulated the backlash that uh, is not uncommon when reforms are meted out uh, in this particular in this particular instance I'm referring to uh, his opposition toward uh, what we might describe as integration I'm not here necessarily you know to uh, debate the merits of integration but he sounded very much like the arch segregationist how soon we forget but I'm getting off track a little bit. Uh, Brother Amos, uh, if you would be so kind to uh, introduce our guest, and we'll take it from there. Thank you, Brother Jack. Bibi Fahodier, it's, uh, it's good to have people come on to the show that can give insight, knowledge, and information on practical things that we deal with every day in our lives. And we all have to deal with not only going through the miseducation process, most of us have gone through that process, but also raising children and deciding the path that we want our children to go on or go down uh, as it pertains to being African warriors uh, in this fight and also being able to build and sustain independent and sovereign nations um, even after the war is won. So tonight we have with us one of our own here in the Charlotte community, uh, Sister Ebony. And if you're not 
from Charlotte. I'm going to let Ebony introduce herself and tell us about herself and what she's doing in the community before we really get into the details of her school called the African Star Academy. How you doing tonight, Ebony? Peace, family. Doing well. A BB-48. My name is Ebony. I run a home school called African Star Academy. It's an African-centered education center. It's open from preschool to sixth grade. I take students from preschool to sixth grade, so we have two-year-olds to 12-year-olds. We run a STEM program. It folk, we, our foundation is on literacy and math, but it's from an African-centered perspective because everything is from an African-centered perspective. We started it all, so to teach children, you need to teach the truth, and the truth mm. is that we started everything. Um, we also have a nonprofit, which is African Stars of Patahotep. Same, we focus on science, sports, technologies, trades. Our goal is to have a vocational school for an elementary vocational school that teach trades from HVAC to aviation, um, reading, robotics, engineering, entrepreneurship, financial literacy, art, agriculture, music, math, and martial arts. Um, speaking of agriculture, we have a Grow by Any Means Necessary program that's going to teach container gardening. That's in to celebrate the Honorable Malcolm X on Sunday, May 19th. You can register for that event at Eventbrite. It's free. And we're just here to teach the babies. That's how we're serving the community. Uh, Shay, so for those of you who may not know, uh, May 19th is special because that is the Earth Day of the great ancestor Omawali Malcolm X. Uh, Sister Ebony, it's a lot of schools out there, um, and we need them all. We need all of the schools. We need more schools. Um, but talk about, you know, how you got on the road to wanting to start, or the motivation, what motivated you to want to start an African-centered home school? Because we know that, you know, a lot of us, we go through challenges, you know, we face a lot of strife from our friends and our family on, you know, living a lifestyle that is very different to the normal Negro lifestyle here in the United States of America. So I'm pretty sure that you had to go through a lot in building your school up. But uh, just break down, you know, what motivated you to start educating and some of the challenges that you faced and get into where you are right now? Uh, first, it started with I've always been educating myself when, you know, just being a student of history, wanting to know the truth and knowing, wanting to know where we came from, you know, just our input to the world. And then when you have children, that changes everything because you think about where you're at and the things that took you 30, 20 years to learn, mm -hmm. you want to give your children that head start. Mm -hmm. it, it, it makes no sense to wait that long to find out about you. And you know it's, you're not, your child is not going to get that going into the same, into the same schools that you were in. Um, what inspired me to homeschool, really, it was being a part of the Uhuru Sasa Restoration Academy, mm -hmm. being there with Brother Sundiata. Um, being there with you, brother, almost <laughs> just being in that environment, and I mean, you know, I and if you knew me, you know, I was around for. I bet I was begging for my baby. My baby was not young enough, old enough <laughs> to get into Sundiata program. So, the need for it was like, where is my child going to go to get this? Right. I see these people out here, but we have nothing for my child. He's he's. You're talking about twelve year olds. I think Kingston was maybe two. Mm -hmm. So so that it was definitely a need for a program like that and when everything fell through it was okay this program isn't out there I had to create it myself mm -hmm. and that's where it all started like if it's not there create one mm. so you saw a fumble and you said <laughs> somebody had to pick the ball up because who's gonna take my job right <laughs> I gotta do it right. okay so I gotta do it and now be there at the next seminar or whatever Sundi I would have and it's like okay is, are you ready yet right okay well we'll just keep going and I guess that's the, I mean that's one of the main concerns that for me at least uh when you talk about you know schools and daycares and putting the the well-being of your children in the hands of 
you know, some European out there that doesn't have the best interests at heart. Um, one of the first things I think about is, you know, are my children, number one, are they going to be safe? You know, because um, we all know that the world is changing before our eyes when it comes to, you know, how things are viewed from homosexuality to pedophilia to, you know, transgenderism. Is my child going to be ridiculed for not agreeing with, you know, these lifestyles that these people want to want to live and are they going to be ostracized or kicked out of school you know what are they going to learn as it as it pertains to themselves as it pertains to their history to their people but also what are they going to learn as it pertains to using the knowledge that they gain to focus on rebuilding uh african people rebuilding the african nations uh making africa strong how are are the children are going to learn these things. And you have to ask yourself as a parent, um, is it even possible for them to be a truly successful African if they are not educated the right way? And I think we all know the answer to that, answer to that is obvious, obviously no, because in this society you're trained to think, walk, act, speak, uh, carry out everything in your lifestyle like the oppressors that are here that that brought us up in this in this nation that we live in now so I mean that's one of the things that I commend you for but for the parents out there that are on the fence that are thinking about should I enroll you know my child in uh, African Center homeschool um, talk about some of the benefits of that. I mean, we can all say that, hey, you know, it's good for our children to learn history. It's good for them to be proud of themselves. And I think we all know the benefits of that. But for the everyday person that, you know, wants their child to go to college, get a good job, um, all the things that you're trained to do, talk about how the program and other programs like yours benefits our children. I think it benefits it definitely benefits the our children. Um, just for my story, my I I was a, at home with my son, and he was four. By the time he was four, he was already reading. So in North Carolina, you had to be five to get into kindergarten. So I had to go through psychological. I had to have him psychologically evaluated because I wanted him to put I wanted him to put into school. Mm. Because I'm like, you're not going to put him in preschool if he's already reading. He's not going to advance. You're slowing him down. So that was even a challenge. This is dealing with their schools. Um, so once we finally got into the schools, he did get in. He tested in. After two tests, he got in. And he was doing well, but the school, I was having problems with the school. Mm. Mm. I took him halfway through. I took him out of that school, and we um, went to another charter school. And he was fine. He finished, finished kindergarten honor roll. And the principal said that he, she wanted to test him again. How he's been there for two quarters and tested out on honor roll, but they wanted to test him again because of his age. So I just took him out of there and I went to a different charter school <laughs> and they tested him and he tested into the first grade. Okay. Five-year-old getting into the first grade. We went, we you know, we did the school thing, fifth grade. We, it was... You know, we had that whole program thing where you didn't say the flag. We didn't say the pledge. So it was a thing about that, you know, it was mm -hmm. kind of conflict in there. Um, he would go to school. Our, well, our way there, we did our RBG pledge and practice our multiplication table before he got to school. So he already knew, Mom, is, we don't stand up for the pledge. We sit down. So, so this is before Colin Kaepernick. This was before African. Oh, right, before yeah, before Colin Kaepernick. Right, yes, we've okay. been we've been sitting for the <laughs> for the flat. Right. So, so just being him in school and he coming home, you know, October, Columbus. You're talking about Columbus. So it was just it just got tiring of re-educating him from being gone eight hours a day to come home. My child's tired. He's been miseducated. Now mom wants to teach you more things because they didn't teach you this in school or they lied about it. So it, I got tired of the supplementing. Even though he was in the first grade, then 
he still I still didn't take him out. Mm-hmm. He got tested. He got into the gifted program. Mm. Second grade. Child's gifted. I don't need <laughs> you to tell me that I already knew. Um, so we're there and still there was you could just see he there were just so much of it was testing, testing, testing. So just getting tired of the schools. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have I didn't have the support to homeschool because I was trying to pull them out, but it was just, you know, me fighting with my family, you know, that's not the right thing to do. And I finally got a win because little white boy called my baby a nigga. Mm. So mm. I was like, oh, that's it. I'm pulling them out. You know, that was my excuse to run with it and go. So once we did, once I did that, and besides me making him lunch every day because of the food mm. at the school, it was like, you know what, I'm feeding you. I'm teaching you when you get home. You know what, just stay home and we're going to teach you. Right. So just to get that environment where I know nobody's going to call my baby a nigga or go into an environment where the teacher don't know anything. Like I, his teacher, I, I said, no, my child doesn't learn about Christopher Columbus. Not in that way, the way you're trying to glorify him. She said, I said, he didn't even discover America. And she said, really? <laughs> and I said, you have a smartphone. I mean, Google anything, you know? So, I'm, so when you think about people don't even talk to their teachers and most of these, they're not smart. So, and I'm supposed to send my child to you every, you know, just that environment. So the benefits of homeschooling, you know, to see all my problems that I had with the school. So I did experience it. My child did a, a little. We don't have that anymore. You know, it's not waking up five o'clock in the morning to get on a bus at seven, you know, mm. to seven o'clock in the morning to get to a school and sit there and be miseducated. You know, and he's a boy. He can't run. You got to wait to this time to go play we might want to wake up and go play first thing in the morning. You know, right. none of my children sit in chairs. They're all on the floor reading from the tables, anything. You just give them a learning environment and they go. I have, I have three sons and they're all academically advanced. My seven-year-old just completed his third grade math book. So he's going into the fourth grade math. He's only seven. If I enroll him in school, they would say he would be in first grade. But right. we're, you know... It's just it just opens up. There's no limit to what your child can learn, and you don't have to just follow the curriculum that someone else tells you. If your child's interested in aviation, that's what you teach them, you know. And you gear your school to what your child is interested in. You don't have to say, "Oh, if your child's not so so good at math, all right, what is your child good at? Focus on that." You know, you don't. It's there's no. You don't you think we've been given so many rules and laws that we don't even know how to step out of the box mm, even to open correct. up to teach our children. So it's it's a learning process and you have to be willing to learn. I mean, you have to study. Well, at least I I do. I you can't continue to teach if you're going if you don't know anything yourself. So I'm a student and we learn together. Um you put your children in a loving environment and let them grow mm-hmm. in where they're not just being constantly tested on something they don't even care about. It was something that doesn't even relate to them. Doesn't relate to them. And how is that going to, you know, it's, it's just put it, it's a hostile work environment. <laughs> come on, right, come on. Right. You know, young lady, you said something very critical, um, a loving environment. Uh, yeah. And I can reflect back to the time when I was in junior high, middle school. It has to be a fundamental loving environment. Discipline, in most instances, require pain. But if you're disciplined by someone who loves you, you know, it's perceived as therapy and responded to. I remember my grandmother coming up to school, you know, chastised me because I had on a hat in English class. If you're disciplined by someone who doesn't love you, is perceived as punishment and reacted to. You know, the the difference is who is trying to discipline you. And your tone. and All of that. Comes all, all, all of that. But um, it is important that we step outside the box. You know, I know I was probably damaged uh, based on the regimented assessment of things. Um as a child, you're talking about the qualitative measurement versus the quantitative measurements. You know, I deal with that, you know, and um, 
Department of Transportation. You know, it's like, you know, don't be comparing yourself to this sister next to you. You know, if you go from one to eight, qualitatively, you made a huge jump versus she's going from only seven to eight, you know. So you got to, you know, just think out of the box, you know, like you said, along with the other critical pieces that validates a black man, a black woman um, in their preparation for warriorhood, something that I didn't learn, um, not necessarily warriorhood because we fought in the street all the time. But, <laughs> you know, I had a little gang, the Pharaohs. We didn't do anything bad besides steal sugar cane. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you, know, you know, respecting the womb. Respecting the womb, that's one of the things that Baruti talks about uh, down in Atlanta. He's taken similar steps to you. We commend you, sister. Thank uh, you. In your attempts. Well, I could, I could just say from my personal experience going through the school system, as a African male, you feel ostracized because of what's being taught. None of it really relates to you. I remember sitting in class and I used to just look out of the window and just daydream. And I would just be thinking about, you know, other things outside of class. And <clears throat> in many cases, um, especially when I had, you know, white teachers, uh, it was always uh, a disconnect uh, between me and that teacher. Um, I maybe had one or two teachers that, you know, were good teachers that thought outside of the box. But for the most part, you know, most of my teachers, um, they followed the curriculum and they treated the other students that weren't black better. So when I was in elementary school, it was a school where it was some white kids, some black kids. That was maybe first through fifth grade. Then after that, every other school I went to after that was pretty much all black. We maybe had one maybe had one or two white kids in middle school, maybe three or four in high school. And then when I went to college, I went to HBCU. So my worst experience being in school was being in school where there was more white kids in the school, more white teachers in the school. And for me, I felt more comfortable being around my own people. Because even though they were forced to teach a curriculum, I can see the black teachers pulling out more facts about us, even though they may not have been African-centered, a lot of them were at least still thinking black, and they were pulling out facts about us that made me somewhat connect to the, the, the you know, the learning program, what they were trying to teach. Did you have to say the Pledge of Allegiance, brother? Yeah, we had to say the Pledge of Allegiance. And I mean, I wasn't, mm. you know, conscious back then, so I used to get up and- that, That's fair. The you little know, song got the yeah, and everything. I used to say the pledge. I used to uh, was to say the Star Spangled Banner. Uh, all of that stuff that you learn, you My know. Country tis of thee. We used to say. <laughs> we used to say. We used to, we used to go on field trips to uh, to the state house. The same, you know, in South Carolina, the state house had the Confederate flag for the longest before they, you know, took it down. I think what was it like ten years ago? They finally took it down and put it. It might have been a little bit longer than that, but. Well, Bree Newsom climbed the pole, what was it, after... Uh, yeah, but it used to be on the dome. It used to be on the dome. Yeah, it used to be on the dome. Because mm -hmm. I remember when I was growing up, Jesse Jackson, uh, the Negro Jesse Jackson, you know, he <laughs> gave a speech about, you know, South Carolina being one of the Confederate states and uh, them wanting to take the flag down. But, I mean, in Columbia, they praised, you know, people like Jim Calhoun, you yeah. know, Confederate general. They... they um. They got streets named after, you know, Confederate soldiers, and 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 the environment felt like it was teaching me to be something or teaching me to relate to people or culture that was alien to me, and it really ostracized me and made me feel. Um, I always had confidence because my family, but when you get into the school system. It's like you're trying to impress them or you're trying to show them that, you know, you can learn like the white children or you can do this or that and the third. Whereas if I would have started 
in a now the, the 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 preschool that I went to was a black school. Then I went to elementary school that was a mixed school that was you know, mm-hmm. so that's how that went. But that like I said, my worst experience was in elementary school. That's when I got into the most fights with other white kids. That's when uh, I think I may, I might have been suspended one time in middle school. I got into a fight one time in middle school. But for the most part, me fighting with my teachers, my parents having to constantly come up to the school, all that happened in elementary school. Wow. So I think, like you said, it's a, it's a hostile environment for any young African, whether you're a girl or a boy, um, to have to sit there and be subdued to somebody else trying to make you a patriot of their culture. Or, or worse, brother, uh, Bay County Boys Club going, growing up in that area. Uh, this brother's in greater confinement now because of murder. I'm thinking about the anger he may have internalized. Jerome, I will call him that. I need to get down to Rayford and see him. This brother was picked out to sing the watermelon song. You know, and I can remember dignitaries in the town just roaring with laughter, you know, and uttering their approval. Watermelon tastes so good to me down by the shade of the old oak tree. It was just totally oblivious. And when you realize you've been used at whatever point. I mean, you rage and you rage unboundingly. He ended up killing a man. Hmm. And uh, he is serving a, an extended sentence in the Florida State Penitentiary. You know, it's those kind of incidents. Just to name one. Just to name one, brother. Now, I remember when I was in the fourth grade, we had this project where we had to, we had to take a picture of ourselves and, you know, get the construction paper that, you know, children write on, stuff like that. And we had to make this uh, this artwork of ourselves and give goals of what we wanted to accomplish in life, right? So <clears throat> one of my goals that I wrote down on the paper was, you know, one day I want to travel to Africa. This is in fourth grade. This is like before I was even into, you know, African-centered consciousness or anything like that. The, the teacher, the fourth grade teacher, asked me in class, why would you want to go back to Africa? It's nothing there. Hmm. And this is, a, I mean, this is a common, this is a common occurrence that you see when you have white teachers educating black students. It's not a connection. They don't have a connection to anything that relates to our history it's their job, which you can't really blame them to push their own culture. You, you know, brother, you're right. And uh, before we turn it over to uh, Brother Macaroo and Ebony again, I, I want to pay homage to uh, John Singleton. Uh, that spiel you gave reminded me of a scene when uh, the character Trey encountered another African. And uh, the dialogue went something to the effect of, you know, you're an African? No, you're an African. You're an African, you African booty scratchy. Yeah, he told mm-hmm. this teacher, he yeah. told his teacher, he said that that all, all we all from Africa, that, that man yeah, started yeah. in Africa. That's right. And the kid said, I ain't from Africa. I'm from Crenshaw Mafia. That's right. Well, rest in power. Right, right, right. <laughs> it's, it's, been a, it's been a minute. Rest in power, John Singleton, yes. for <laughs> highlighting these uh, dichotomies. 51 years old, you know, it underscores the importance of Checking your blood pressure, taking care of yourself, which is, uh, we can go deep into it with some Amos Wilson stuff, but uh, brother, sister. It's well, not just in, oh, yeah. sorry, but it's yeah. not just in elementary. I'm after, I mean, I went to uh, Morgan for a year and I learned about Imhotep in my biology class. Uh, Never, Morgan State. Morgan State. Mm-hmm. Never had I had a science teacher put history into it. And that's a lot of what I do too. So I think that's where I get that from. Um, that Because I was already in studying history, but when she opened up that science and then that opened up to this, it was so much that I was lacking from there. But to go on to say, um, to 
even in college. Once I, because I went to Morgan, then I went back to a New York State school and arguing with my algebra teacher because she's tell, she's teaching the Pythagorean theorem and, mm. and you want to talk about the history of it. And I raised my hand, um, excuse me, but mm. you can't say truthfully say that he bi- built those or formulate the formula for a slope when you have all these pyramids all up and down the Nile River. She said, those aren't triangles. I said, well, let's just stick to the math and leave the history alone because you <laughs> about crazy. Mm-hmm. So right. it's, I mean, that was a college level. This is college level algebra. That's not even acknowledging where this math came mm-hmm. from and yeah. still in denial. Well, all of the education is white studies. They just don't call it that. Uh, and un- unlike you all, I, I attended segregated schools all my life, so I don't, I don't have that level of You're scarring. You're fortunate. <laughs> I don't have that level of scarring. But mm-hmm. one, one of the things about the about those schools that really uh, we threw away in uh, our integrationist or assimilationist in our community, all of whom benefited from this uh, process, uh, the process of socialization because we were not only educated and like you said, there was nothing African-centered about it, but these were teachers who had grown up, you know, in the era of American apartheid. And, Come on. And they, they, they understood it. Uh, some of the history and the dynamics. I mean, the curriculum was what it was, so, you know, Columbus was whatever. But the socialization aspect of it in terms of preparing people to both survive and succeed with a a sense of that you know you are part of me I'm part of you and my success is not complete unless you're successful let's see that we threw all that away chasing uh chasing you know uh, this uh this whole idea of uh, assimilation or integration but sister ebony you were talking about some of the things that that you have coming up. So I, I would like for you to go into those details about, um, first of all, where is the where is the garden thing being held, number one. Uh, number two, I want you to talk about the uh, summer program that's uh, being organized and, and, and when, 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 when will it start, and also about your bus trip. So you are our guest, we want you to have the floor to tell, tell us about all of those things that you have going because you know, really, you are deeply committed, sister, committed to the liberation and empowerment of African people. Uh, I can't just, I can't tell you how many times uh, watching you bringing your sons to all those programs over at Crossroads. Uh, I say this sister's totally committed, and these children don't know how, you know, how blessed they are to have a mother like you. So tell us about about the things that are going on first where is the garden thing being held secondly where is the um uh, what's happening during the summer the summer program that uh, that uh, is being developed and about the bus trip okay the we have the grow by any means necessary which is a container gardening class um and it's going to be on sunday may 19th in honor of malcolm x um you you come there, we're going to teach you how to grow in small spaces. Um, every participant will receive a five-gallon container, and we already have the plants, vegetables, and herbs from squash, watermelon, okra, tomatoes, peppers, and we're going to teach you how to grow in small spaces, and you're actually going to get your hands dirty because you're going to transplant your plants right into the container, and you take that home with you. So every participant will at least get a container to start their garden at home, that's on Sunday, May 19th. You can register for that uh, at Eventbrite. And where is it? Uh, oh, Ben New Gardens, 500 South Turner Avenue. Um, but if you go on Eventbrite, the details are there. If I said the address wrong, but at Ben New Gardens, you can look it up on Eventbrite. And you can check it out. And we're on Facebook and Instagram on my, Af- on my African Star Academy. You can find us on social media on those um, venues. That's a very... Uh significant location because that's where we had our first Black Panther Party office on South Turner Avenue. 
1968, as a matter of fact. So that's that's significant. But go ahead with the other things. Uh, we're also in the process of implementing a summer program, um, teaming up with the great brother, um, Brother Sundiata. He's over at Brisbane Academy, so that's going to be rolling out soon. So stay tuned for that. Um, Brisbane is already opening and function, so you, it's a full private school. So it's it's nothing new. We're oh, we're accepting students now, so it's nothing that you have to wait for. And getting that um, a different another co-op going for sixth to eighth graders that's coming up in the fall. Now talk uh, talk about the scholarships because I think a lot of people don't know anything about that. There is a North Carolina scholarship. I'm going to try to pull it up so I can give you the exact name of it right now. But there is a North Carolina scholarship that it, um, if you have a child that's in CMS, they can apply for this scholarship and you can use this scholarship. It's $4,200 and you can apply it to a private school, which is Brisbane Academy or any other private school that you select. It really gives student, um, parents some school, some different school options. Um, but that will offset it. Um, but it is a North Carolina scholarship. They have it once a year. It's open once a year for you to apply for. And again, like I said, it's $4,200 that can be applied to a school and, it, it, you know, give you some options outside of CMS public and charter schools. Mm. Do, they, do they say how many people usually win the scholarship? Is it like a, a limit? It wasn't a, it was, I mean, it was an easy process. You just uh, apply. And I, I, when we got our letter that said we were accepted, we got another email that said they were still, they were going to open it up for more students to apply. So I don't think that people are aware or really utilizing it because some schools, even if you get that $4,200, there's still money to pay. So, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people are just used to that free education. People don't, see the value in paying for education so mm. you, you get what you pay for sometimes yeah exactly exactly um another program that we have uh, um we have coming up as well we have a bus trip to washington dc that's on august 2nd um it's a two-day one-night trip we're going to see the Smithsonian National African American Museum of History and Culture. Uh, the, the National Geographic Museum actually has an exhibit of the Queens of Egypt on on display there, and that's the only time it's going to be on the East Coast. So we're fortunate enough to you know make this trip, and we get to see that as well. And then we're also going to take the Anthony Browder's Egypt on Potomac, Egypt on the Potomac um, tour, which basically shows how Africans built Washington, D.C., um, how they use all our agriculture, all our architecture, everything, and, you know, they just hide us right there in plain sight. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be an awesome trip. Um, it includes um, your transportation, hotel, breakfast, a lunch one day. Um, so it's going to be a lot of fun education. I'm excited about going to that. And tell them how to uh, connect with that. Oh, yes, I'm sorry. And you can register, for, you can get your seats for that at blackstarlinetravel.com. No, I say I like the name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we ain't probably, we try to put Garvey in everything. <laughs> from African Star Academy, you just that's where I got my school name from. I said if he was here, it wouldn't be he wouldn't say Black Star Line. He would say African now too. Right, <laughs> right. So. Well, it's definitely a lot um, that you have going on. Tell us how the program went last year that you guys did the um, science technology and. Um, our summer program, yeah, the summer the program that we had last year. year. Last year we had a coding program. Um, every week we were we focus on a different a STEM, different coding project projects, robotics projects. But we also included the Africans who who basically formed the computer science from Dr. Mark De- Mark Dean. People don't even realize that. You know, the Internet was built because of, you know, a black man discovered the science to make that stronger. Mark Dean holds three patents at IBM, who he invented the color PC, um, the video game console, Jerry Lawson. We were all in, you know, we're all through the computer science field, but they say we're not in STEM or IT, mm. which is a lie because we created it. Mm. Um, you get to the binary code, and um, we did do um, Learn Math through Mancala, which is 
still by binary, which is how computers read, learning that binary code. So it was a fun, it was fun. Um, we had a couple students. We didn't have a full house, but, you know, we'll take we can and we teach those babies and move forward. So that was fun, but. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's often thought that, you know, most of technology started with Asia or Silicon Valley. Yeah. Uh, and it's often pictured that it's, you know, nerdy white boys that, you know, created a lot of technology that we have. But, oh, you know, a, a lot of destruction, the foundation of this technology is ancient. Ancient. And it's uh, a <laughs> system that's been, you know, reused and regurgitated. And then flipped and masked and to make us believe that it all started, that it all started with them. Um, now, you do, you know, different projects in your school. And um, one of the projects that, you know, caught a lot of attention, uh, especially on social media and the Internet, was uh, the building of the jet uh, battery. Uh, talk about how that went and, and where you got the idea um, to actually do that project. We started the jet battery through the Ankh, the Africans, Africans origin to electromagneticism. That's one of my favorite books. Um, in reading that, you read the Ankh, Africans origin to electromagneticism, and it shows you how we built a battery. Um, the, ba the foundation of electronics is described in this book, and it even gets biblical on it about like turning. What is the the biblical when you get struck down? You know the covenant, the covenant. Um, how to turn? If someone touches something, you know how they. What is in, in it's in the Bible where they have how they protect their. I'm, I'm losing my what the word is called. The well, covenant. We, we wish we could help you. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Right. The, the Ark of the Covenant had an electrical charge. Yes, that's yes. what I'm talking yes. about. Okay, so that's where I got the idea from, the Ankh, um, Africans origin to electromagneticism. It has a lot of information on there, how to build a battery, just from using your zinc, copper, and a solution to create that energy. Um, and it described how how... You, you, the high priest knew this information and that's how they controlled it and protected it because if you could turn if you could hide the information you could put it in the box of the covenant and you turn the electrical charge on it you protect in this document and only the high priest knew how to turn the electrical switch on and off so it was basically creating an electrical switch which mm -hmm. that whole thing was and only the high priest knew how to turn it off which gave them the power to to have that information but just the, uh, back to the, how I got the information, the, that book, it just inspired. So I wanted to duplicate the, those projects. If we had that information and we were doing that thousands of years ago, we need to relearn that. Mm -hmm. That needs to be our foundation to move forward because obviously there's a couple thousands of years break and then we're being taught by Europeans. So they're not going to teach us this and, they're, and everything is so separated. So it's not putting everything together to show you how – we created this energy here and the, the, the same energy, that flow current, everything that's in our body is the same way and how it relates to everything. They're take, they're, we're not taught how everything goes together. Cool. So that was another reason why we did that. And so, um, so we created that battery and then we measured the voltage that we can get. Um, then again, you know, even using the language, voltage is named after a European who they, they found when they invaded Africa in, in the early 1800s, this is when the electronic field just exploded they had all this information coincidentally uh. um right after alexander um his savage self um mm. invaded africa that's when the europeans and everyone came up with all this electro electromagneticism all this the batteries all this but they stole they took we we built a jet and our jet that's what the battery was when we put the copper the zinc and the lemon juice that's that jet pillar um Four, that the four layers creates 1.8 volts and the Europeans end up taking like six of uh, jet pillars so that's they had if they if they know they took 600 so that's the power they had at least 600 volts to take and start experimenting and going back and to duplicate that energy and get all those different powers so they clearly stole it um, from there we just practiced we went from 
creating the circuits, learning about the electrical circuits and how to create that. Then we went on to magneticism and creating motors. Uh, we just completed our project with the wind turbine. We did, um, we implemented the boy who harnessed the wind and created a wind turbine to create that energy as well. We do a lot of alternative energy products, projects as well, because that's one thing about when you try to, when I think of that sovereign world, we think about us powering ourselves, feeding ourselves, and not relying on anyone. So those are things that we try to learn so we can duplicate that. Yeah, I thought that was I thought that was powerful when I saw it myself. Um, you know, just being able to relate math and science to your culture, your history. Um, and like you talked about how you're a teacher at Morgan uh, mentioned Imhotep in the science class. It's one of the reasons why many of our kids or children can't relate to math, science, technology, um, and everything else is because in, in most cases we're not taught to see ourselves in it or taught how it relates to us um, just in how we live our lives. And that's one of the things that our ancestors always said is know, know thyself, or how the Greeks said it you know, know thyself, but it means to really know and understand not only who you are, but your purpose and everything about yourself. You know, most people who, who eat a bad diet or most people who don't take care of themselves don't really know themselves. They don't really know which foods negatively affect their bodies. They don't really know, they don't, they don't have the knowledge and information about themselves to have the self-esteem to want to raise themselves up. And I think that's where a lot of our people are lost is we're lost into learning and studying um, Europeans. Come we taught that everything starts with them, from, you know, from Galileo to Newton to all of these other white European uh, philosophers and, and scientists who, you know, we're taught that they created it all. You know, so the white the white children go to school and they feel confident in their education that they're getting because it's geared towards making them continue on to rule over everyone else. You, you know, brother, uh, <clears throat> you're right. Uh, multiple causative factors. You know, whenever you've been scarred emotionally, like we have for 400 years, you know, we related a small aspect of our own individual circumstances and our scarring. You know, you become obsessed with the pursuit of good feelings. You know, a lot of our kids are caught up into uh, hedonism. Mm. You know, uh, if it feels good, it is good. You know, uh, consequently, how can not studying be so bad? Uh, how, how can not studying be ba be so bad when not studying feels so good? You know, <clears throat> you know, effort has to exceed opportunity for change to take place. And you hear it um, in the pornography uh, of musical lyrics. Hmm. You know, even when I was a child, if loving you is wrong, I don't want to be right. <laughs> you know, Luther Ingram, you know, a whole lot can be wrong with it. You know, but uh, you know, that, 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 that's where we are. And uh, I mean, just so many variables living on the white supremacy, you know, um, what this sister has done really belies uh, the standard approach by which we, by, by, uh, whereby we live our existence, having been dependent on white paternalism. And another you know, thing, it, it, another thing ahead, too, Brother Jack, is a lot of our people don't think that, that um, see, everything in this society is built around how you gonna make money, right? Yeah, yeah. Most of our people don't think that you can get an African-centered education and make money with that education. That's why it's an elective. Right. E even, you know, at the white schools, of course, you know, but. Uh, even at the black schools too? I, okay, enough said. They most, most black colleges don't even have it. Right, they got rid of the African-centered African -centered, uh, um, majors, mm -hmm. but. Most people don't believe that you can get this education. That's why I asked a question earlier, you know, how do our children benefit from it? Because most people don't think that if you learn this, you can go out into 
the white man and woman's world and do what you're trained to do, get a job and, you know, because they don't, they don't have the confidence to believe that you can, you know, make money and, and, and be your own boss or build, build your own business or that we can build our own society. They don't see the strength in teaching children to change the paradigm instead of continuing to fairly exist in what's, what's going on right now. You, you know, brother, <laughs> multiple causative factors and multiple causes, m- multiple rationales for learning this type of information. Brother Amos Wilson goes so deep into it, brother. He associates certain disease disorders uh, that correlate with the type of consciousness that we have permitted to inhabit our bodies. In other words, and I don't know how to put it except to say that um, personalities, impersonalities, or consciousness, there's a rise in the susceptibility to certain diseases based on the consciousness uh, that we have uh, permitted ourselves to become inculcated with uh, and there's got to be, that has to be a variable as to why uh, Africans from the continent find a declining health rate, you know, once they come into the United States. And I think what you said as we were walking in, Ebony, is, is also important. You know, we have people trying to start schools across the country. But what would be even more powerful is if we did have a centralized African-centered curriculum that could be spread across the board to all of our schools um, and that could be, you know, vetted by other African-centered teachers and improved upon and constantly pushed and improved as an education system to educate our children the correct way. So, you know, I, I'm going to connect you with a brother I know out of D.C. that's been on this program, too, Brother Tashango, one of the best educators I know, like, hands down, if you go into this brother's classroom, you'll be blown away. So he could definitely, you know, mm. probably contribute to what you and Brother Sundiata are trying to put together with Sundiata's experience uh, in putting together a curriculum that you can take on the road uh, and share you know, with other Africans, because we all in this together, you know, you know, it's, it's not like um, some people try to make it a competition, you know, they want to be, you know, popular off of or famous off of and that's very whatever they want to achieve. But we have we have to, you know, strengthen this African centered curriculum and, and make it work for us, at, you know, as a whole, because the enemies, that's what they're doing. They're creating one platform and they take that platform and they indoctrinate everybody with that platform, whether you white, black, whatever. They want to make everybody think like a white American. Yeah, that is definitely the purpose of a think tank, to place people in key positions and to disseminate an ideology that maintains white supremacist system. Well, you know, the thing that that, that really had a devastating impact on us in, in addition to, I guess, the thing that, that probably made the uh, the assimilation thing perhaps more effective was the fact that it came about at a time when in a, in a lot of our cities our, our families were being destroyed. You know, the black male was being removed, you know, from the home. And they, um, th- this had... An impact in this sense, Dr. Wilson, in the development of psychology of the black child, talks about two critical factors in education, uh, achievement need and achievement motivation. And what Dr. Wilson says is that is that achievement need and achievement motivation must exist within the culture before there are schools which can then uh, enhance those needs and motivations. And what we have, what has happened in our communities now in terms of 
in terms of a lot of education, largely as a result of the destruction of our families, uh, you know, not having uh, the neighborhood schools that, that we once had, that we had some degree of control over, even if we didn't control the curriculum, is uh, we have low need achievement and low need motivation, low need for achievement and low need uh, for low, low, low need motivation. We have children, for example, that in a kindergarten, no one has ever sat down and read a single book to them, not one book. Curious George or whatever, <laughs> they know no one has read, you know, anything, you know, not to mention, uh, you know, something like the boy who harnessed the wind. So, you know, that's that's where, you know, there's there's still a critical need for a cultural revolution, you know, within within our community and among our people, not just in the United States, but globally, because all of us are affected by uh, what Dr. Clark called the Europeanization of human consciousness. You know, the interesting thing is that uh, before they came up with this, this idea of uh, one curriculum fits all, we had schools that were effective. For example, you could, at West Charlotte, you could learn tailoring you could you could learn cosmetology you could learn all kinds of uh, industrial arts there were we had in high schools young people young uh, black males learned how to be brick masons so you know we 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 had those kinds of things that that were very effective because everybody doesn't need to go to a four year liberal arts college right i mean you know why go and pile up all that debt <laughs> And right. you're not, and you're not gonna come out with with any kind of job. So, um, you know, that's something that we have to re re, re reconnect, and we really need a a movement towards a, a cultural revolution. But, um, Sister Ebony, since you are our guest, and we run out of time, we'll give you uh, the last word for this program today. Um, when you said the, I went to a vocational school, a high school. We wow. had. I took photography. I was in Rochester with Kodak, um, but we had graphic design, construction, um, auto mechanic, and again, that's what part of my nonprofit is. The African Stars of, po of African African Stars of Potahotep is to bring that back. I want a vocational school for elementary children. Why wait until you're in high school to learn these trades? These children are learning now. Mm -hmm. um, so it's no need. And just like we were talking about the literacy rate, Charlotte has the third grade literacy rate. They're at 40%. 40% of third graders in Charlotte are reading. That's unacceptable. And you know it's going to hit us harder. That's 40% of Charlotte. That's not saying the Africans, yeah. you know, us, yeah. what our literacy rate is. So, um also, I am, we talk about community as well. Um, you follow me on African Star Academy on social media for IG and Facebook. I'm implementing a webinar to get, if you are looking for alternative choices, if you're looking to homeschool, I'm having a webinar to teach you how to get started in the state of North Carolina. That's coming up soon, so stay posted. Ashe. Well, Sister Ebony, we definitely appreciate you for joining us. Hopefully that uh, this won't be your last time on the program. Thanks for having uh, me. Again, African Star Academy, you can follow her on Facebook and Instagram. This has been the African Liberation Media Podcast. You can tune in to our podcast on our website, africaliberationmedia.com. You can also find us on the White Beast social networks, Facebook, Instagram, African Liberation Media. You can also find us on BB Toomey. Black Social Network, African Liberation Media. Abib Fahodiye. Abib Fahodiye. Power or the lack of power. I want to repeat this. Power or the lack of power. If your education in this institution is not about gaining real power, not jobs, because your jobs do not represent power. Not getting elected, that does not represent power either. Uh, buying your houses and fine clothes does not represent power. Uh, if it is not about real power, you are being miseducated and misled, and you will die educated and misled.
If your study of black history is merely an exercise in feeling good about yourself, then you will die feeling good. The study of history then must be more than the pumping up of your self-esteem and the pumping up of your pride. Those things are important, but ultimately those things are not the means by which we will save ourselves as people in this world.